Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. Well, let me jump in. This last, last summer, we had finally this chance over many years. My family had tried to get out to, to Italy because I wanted to show my kids um, where their grandparents were from, from and all that stuff. When we were in Rome, obviously, when you're in Italy and you're bringing your kids for the first time, you go to Rome. And we walked in the Colosseum, beautiful stuff. I love the architecture, love hearing the stories, love understanding the history. And then there's this moment just in the mass, like just the bigness of the Colosseum and everything that's kind of beyond that, um, just the immense amount of people the, uh, the guide says, you know, just behind you, um, there's something that was, that was um, installed here uh, several years ago. I think it was by, it was by Pope John Paul. And, uh, and they, they put this here for a reason, and it was to remember that in this place, as historical as it is, was a place where followers of Jesus were killed and persecuted and their blood shed. And um, they had installed a cross uh, in, in the Colosseum. And, and that's where it is. And, and I remember, you know, when you're touring or looking around and stuff, there's often something that kind of catches your attention and then you pause to look at it a little longer because there's, a, there's something significant about this or there's something significant about this picture. And I remember in the middle of this tour of the Colosseum being told about this cross and the purpose of it and why and it, it led me to just kind of like distance myself from the crowd a little bit, just kind of look at the cross and imagine all the stuff that went on in that place, you know, thousands of years ago. And yet this is a reminder of Christians who resiliently followed Jesus in that time period. And, um, and I don't know about you, but there's sometimes where you find yourself for one reason or another, you get caught up into something and you realize this is more important than I recognize. And uh, that's the kind of image I want you to think about when we jump into this text this morning. Because this kind of happened to me in the scripture we're going to be reading today. And I wanted to take today and kind of share some vision and maybe some next steps as a church community. And, and thinking about what shapes our vision moving forward as we've been growing this last year. And thinking about our own internal growth and external growth. And yet, as I got caught up in this text that we're going to read, it kind of messed me up a little bit, shook me up a little bit, and kind of like I saw some things that I thought, oh, maybe this is what God wanted me to see more than just thinking about, you know, what's the next step for us as a church, which are all important. And it's Colossians chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to read a few verses starting in verse 1. You can listen or follow on the screen or open up your Bibles if you'd like. And uh, we're going to read just a chunk of this chapter together. And if you haven't yet, just pause with me for a moment and let's just uh, maybe invite God to grab hold of our attention. I know how easy it is for myself and us to be distracted and detoured with so many things in our lives. Let's just pause and invite God to really get a hold of our own hearts. God, we invite you. Would you give us the attention necessary even as we read these words? And even if it's not something that I'm going to say, perhaps there's a word or a phrase that you really want to leave in our hearts, even just as we simply read this. So we say welcome. We say welcome. Help us to be available um, to what you want to say and do in this moment and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Paul writes this to an early church in a city called Colossae. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have met, not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is or your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a, spect a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Um, what an amazing text. This, this text, particularly a few verses, not all of them, but we're getting my attention leading up to this year and then at the beginning of 2024 and I've been sharing it with some of our team, our staff, our ministry team leaders, and a few others. And, and what I would love for this to do is maybe that this text, we'd give this text, not just today, but space and some attention um, to shape our vision as a church in this season, in this next season. And there's this crazy, incredible underlying theme for this church in Colossae. Like the letter builds up in chapter one and we didn't get to read that. And then it's just painting this amazing picture of Jesus as the image of the invisible God. We're not gonna read it. You can go ahead and read chapter one on your own. But just the letter builds up to this section. And then the, as the letter builds into this section, it then builds out of this section as it teaches, Paul teaches this church and writes to them. And you might miss it, but it's really the climax of Paul's theology or understanding what it means to be a Christian. In verse 2 and 3, Paul says these incredible words, and he shares his goal. He's like, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. And here's, here's the reason. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures, and wisdom of knowledge. Like, right in the middle of this, this writing, right in the middle of what Paul just writes this incredible letter to them, these few lines, I think we really got to pause and just let them jump out at us, that Paul's desire is for them to know this mystery of God that's namely in Jesus. 
that King Jesus is the most important discovery in Paul's life. This guy Paul, who was, you know, someone who was, uh, you know, well-known in his circles, was part of the religious circles, was an educated guy, uh, you know, found that, like, just grew in his own wisdom and his own knowledge, uh, had a lot of authority in his role, and yet this person, Paul, comes to discover that King Jesus is the most important discovery for him. And as he's writing this church, he he just longs that Christ would become the main thing so that this church would keep Christ the main thing. That's what he says. I, I, I contend for this. I strive for this. I long for this to happen, to know Jesus as King, as Christ. And he, he says God's mystery because it's like it hasn't been fully known up until Jesus came and walked and died and rose and ascended. And it's almost like calling it a mystery. It's like, hey, this has been God's secret plan all along to restore the world, to make the world right, to bring about justice and reconciliation and hope and peace and ultimately new creation. And Jesus, the Christ, the King, he is, he's the plan, he's the purpose, he's the person. And just in these few verses, even though it's couched in like incredible um, paragraphs, I think this is really the treasure, the kind of the gold right in the middle of this. And he calls it a treasure, this ultimate discovery, this ultimate reward, this ultimate hope. But it's not the kind of treasures that we sometimes think are treasures. You know, we think treasures, treasures are something that, like, make us successful or wealthy or something. And it kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones. You know, if you watch the Indiana Jones movie, there's the original ones, and now there's this recent one that came out uh, by Disney. And, like, what always gets me about Indy or Indiana is that, like, when he's not, like, you know, kind of gallivanting through deserts and all these places and castles and underground and whatever. He's a normal professor that teaches in his university. And he goes back to a normal apartment and he doesn't look like he has a lot of money. But when he finds these treasures, he's not looking at them for wealth or power or authority or fame. But he actually sees the beauty and meaning and purpose and history in them. And he doesn't see them as something for himself. He sees all the beauty within them. And I think when someone meets Jesus like Paul did, and he's sharing this with this church, he's like, do you understand the treasure we have in Jesus? It's not about fame or wealth or success or money or authority or power for you, but there's something so much more beautiful here that's, that's available to you. And he says that in Jesus, all the wisdom and knowledge is, is hidden. That in him, all the wisdom and knowledge that exists is there. And it's not an outrageous claim when you consider what he says in chapter 1. I think verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1 is on the screen. You can point to it or I'm going to open my Bible. But Oh, yes. Well, the next one down, further down. But we can, I can read here. Read. Listen, listen to what he says. The Son is the, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
I mean, it makes sense that if Paul writes this just the, ch- the chapter earlier, that here he will let us know that this treasure that he has found holds all the wisdom and knowledge that exists. And if it's true, like if the cosmos is held together by Jesus, what's wisdom and knowledge? If Jesus has created all things, what's atoms and photons? If, if, if he knows all things and understands all things, what's science and philosophy? If he can speak to the human heart so deeply, what's language and meaning? Like, what is it to him? It's easy. It's actually not rocket science. For us, it's rocket science. For Jesus, it isn't. All wisdom and knowledge is hidden in him. And that's why Paul strives and contends so they would know King Jesus. And this is God's purpose for the church as well, that through the church, imagine that through you and me, people would come to know Jesus, that people would discover this wisdom and knowledge in Jesus and life that is found in him. When we describe our mission as a church, um, we talk about us connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. There's a reason we say that because we really believe that Jesus is king, that Jesus is Lord, and that the best possible scenario for anybody's life is found in him. And we want people to know him And we want to be a community that helps people recognize Jesus and receive Jesus and respond to Jesus. And we see this in Paul's letter. And this is one of the verses that had gotten my attention a few months back. It's starting from verse 6 where Paul says, just as you have received Jesus as Lord. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. And just pause there for a second. As Paul writes this, he's he's reminding them, uh, you've discovered him. You've come to know him. You've also received him. But for them to have done that, they would have had to first recognize him. Anybody who follows Jesus, if you're following Jesus today, if they're following Jesus, it's because they or we have recognized something about Jesus. We've recognized who he was and what he's done. And the exposure to his words and to his ways, kind of the series we were talking about last month, uh, all the ways of Jesus through Paul Like, these people have come to know Jesus. Through the church, others have come to know Jesus. And Darius said today, like, her grandmother introduced her to Jesus. This is just the way we see that working out. That people will first need to recognize who Jesus is. And then this shift takes place in people's lives. Where they receive Jesus. Where they acknowledge that their faith is in Christ. Paul tells us in verse 5. In other words, they didn't only receive the message. The next thing that takes place is they respond to the message. They're like, oh, Jesus is Lord. He really did go to the cross, die, raised from the grave, ascended. And then people respond to him. So they didn't only recognize who Jesus was and receive him as Lord. They responded to him in faith. In other words, they put all their trust in him. They put their life in him. They've come to recognize him and follow him. And that's why that word Lord is so significant when Paul says they received Jesus as Lord. They didn't just receive him as teacher. They didn't just receive him as a rabbi. They didn't just receive him as someone who has some really great things to say or the person who healed my friend. That was all good, but they received him as Lord, which was so significant because this is like a new allegiance, a new loyalty that reoriented their lives around his teachings, these teachings that Paul would say that they would be called to be established in the faith. In other words, we say we have faith in Jesus, and then Paul uses the word faith in another way where they've been established in the faith. In other words, in this body of teachings, this body of messages that that 
Paul and others received and, and then absorbed and really grew in and then passed on to other people. And this is so important, but the highlight of this letter, I think, is this. Christ is our treasure. Christ is a treasure to be recognized, to be received, and to be responded to. And as I was thinking about vision for our, this season as a church, and maybe you're here for the first time or you've just been exploring with us, and so now maybe you're sitting in a conversation on a Sunday that feels a little bit like, um, like oh, okay, this is, what, this is the heartbeat of this community. And part of our heartbeat is really this, is that, that people would recognize, receive, and respond to Jesus. Now, what I love and appreciate about our church is we always tell people, you can explore as long as you want. You can just be with us and explore. You can disagree. You can listen. You can learn. But at the heart of what we do, our hope, because we know that Jesus is this treasure that holds all wisdom and knowledge and life, we long for people to come to recognize and receive him and respond to him. That's the highlight, I think, of Paul's letter here. And what struck me, because I wasn't going to share this theme of the letter. I was going to just jump to verse 6 and 7 and just talk about how we can, you know, do more in discipleship and things like that. But this, this line just caught me. And it, it made me ask this question, do we have the capacity as a church to help more people encounter Christ? Like, if it's so true that Jesus is the treasure that holds all wisdom and knowledge in life, like, wouldn't we want more and more people to get to know him? More and more people to understand him? More and more people to get a grasp of him? And my question is, do we have the capacity to help more people encounter Jesus? And I've noticed that in this last season from 2023, we've seen more people searching, exploring, coming, attending. Um, we're, we're hitting capacity in our kids' ministries. And so I ask the question, when I ask about capacity, I kind of have two capacities in mind have this outer capacity, do we have space to encourage people? Do we have the environments to help them make a next step? Do we have the kind of environments that welcome them or make sure they don't fall through the cracks if they're looking for prayer or help or want to discuss something or want to dialogue over something? There's this outer capacity and then there's this inner capacity. And the outer capacity is just kind of normal. Outer capacity is like organizational. Outer capacity is like, you know, can we fit the band on the stage? That's outer capacity, right? Outer capacity is do we have enough chairs for people uh, to sit? And uh, it kind of reminded me of my wife and I had kind of redid part of our kitchen, and, and um, we had this dream of having this, you know, bigger island in the, in the middle. And it was, it was all capacity questions. I remember the, the night before, the person was going to come and measure to, for this, what kind, how big this counter was going to be. And um, I took, like, two, uh, wood and everything, and I, like, plywood, and I just laid it all out. It was humongous. It was so big that I looked at it, and I ran to my wife who was in the bedroom. I'm like, okay, we have to change the dimensions. This thing is too big. Like, no one's going to walk around it. We're not going to even be able to take anything out of the fridge. And if people are sitting at the table, like, what's the point? Like, why have the island if no one can walk through? And so it was like a moment of decision. We had to change everything. We're like, okay, okay, we got to drop here. We got to fix this. We got to fix that. And they were all capacity questions because now we can walk through and open the fridge and not bump into the island. And when we have friends over and they're sitting at the kitchen table, the island's not going to hit them in the back, right? Or something like that. And, and we, even to the last details of finally we were trying to find chairs, you know, to put in the island and we're like, well, if we want people to walk through, maybe we shouldn't buy a chair with a back because that inhibits them. And so we found chairs without a back. We're like, oh, these are 
we can fit more people. We can, more people can stand around the island. We can have like, a, you know, have a drink and chat and eat chips and everyone can fit. Not, not everyone, but a little bit more, right? And that's a capacity question. And these are the capacity questions we ask at our church. Do we have space to keep serving the next generation? Do we have space as we fill up on a Sunday? Should we consider trying to figure out every square inch of this space that we do rent to use it to the fullest, fullest of its potential? Should we consider using this space two times over instead of just once to reach more people like we did at Christmas? And at why? To help people recognize, receive, and respond to Jesus. That's a capacity question. Um, Everyone who serves here or staff is a capacity question because it takes people to minister to one another. And every time our ministry grows, like when Kids Quest was growing last season, we're like, how can we not serve 65 kids? How can we serve 80 kids? I remember when we did our 20th anniversary and our Kids Quest team said, Dave, we figured out a way to serve 103 kids today. I'm like, that's amazing. How did you do that? Like, where are they going to go? And, and it, those are capacity questions around those things. Even our structure, every time we grow a little bit, we realize our structure won't support this. this. Our structure here might crack a little bit. We don't have like a good, we don't have a policy for this to make this decision again the next time. Or all these kinds of things that we want to make sure that just align ourselves to our vision and moving forward. Even our supplies, like when we need more resources or more resources to serve more people. And so here's the question for me is if, if we really come to this beautiful question of, wow, Jesus is so good in everything, and we long people to know him, do we, will we make the necessary decisions along the way? And I'm not going to share them all here, and we'll probably talk about them more in, in other settings. We're going to have to address this capacity question if we want to help people grow in exploring who Jesus is. Because if 40 of you invited your friends next week, it would be, it would be harder to have the capacity. And if all of your 40 friends had just the average of 1.8 kids in our society, <laughs> whatever I just said, but whatever, two, one, two, three kids, uh, our Kids Quest team would be like, Dave, we can't wait. That's it. We can't do it. We can't fit anymore. And so we, we need to address that. And even in the middle of this, I'm so grateful for the capacity we do have because it's people and resources and heartfelt energy that really makes it possible as God leads us. But here's where I got stumped. Because my head, I'm an optimist. And I'm a visionary. And as I and others were dreaming about this and asking these questions, God then began to prompt me almost like, Dave, stop worrying about outer, outer capacity. Think about it, but don't make it the primary thing. And what I felt God kind of pushing in my heart and leading in my heart is like, there's a different kind of capacity you should really be paying attention to, and that's a capacity you never stop paying attention to, and that's our inner capacity, our spiritual capacity, our formational capacity. And that's what Paul addresses in verse 6 and 7 that I think is so helpful for us that I hope it, it just shapes us in the next coming months and years. Paul says to this group of Christians, he says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. He's writing to people who already received Jesus, 
already know him, already are growing, but he's saying like, but here's the thing, continue to live your lives in him, being rooted and built up in him, moving forward in this way. And this is the beautiful thing here. The big idea is not our people, is this church growing bigger? That's not the point that Paul's getting at. It's, is, are you growing deeper? Are you growing deeper? Because the risk we take as a church is, is growing really wide but not deep. So it's not how many people show up, but how many people are maturing. It's not how many people are in the seats or if someone responds to Jesus, which we celebrate too, but like are we helping those people follow Jesus and be formed in the way of Jesus and understand the teachings of Jesus and get rooted as a disciple of Jesus? It's, it's all about that because our inner capacity is what happens when we are in Christ. And what can happen is that if, if, our outer, if we just pay attention to our outer capacity and we're like, oh my gosh, we saw so many people, but our inner capacity stays like this, you know what happens? That this thing crushes this. But you, so you want to keep growing your inner capacity and grow deeper and deeper this is true as humans, not just in faith. It's, it's true in your life and your family, even in your business, not just in, in, you know, as a church. Because if things grow like this, but people's character and resilience and health and whatever just stay stagnant, that thing that grows just crushes them. And so we want to pay attention not just to outer capacity, but to inner capacity, and that's why I love Paul's phrase here that he uses so often in his letters, but he uses it several times in this chapter, and it's this little phrase, in Christ, in Christ. And I just put it as a blank there because he uses like a different word before this phrase six or seven times in this text because Paul expands on what's possible. In verse five, he says that our faith is in Christ. And then in verse six, he talks about that we should be walking in Christ. And then in verse seven, how we could be rooted and built up in Christ. And in verse 10, he talks about that we have fullness, like fullness of, of life and strength and God's presence in Christ. He uses a last phrase, which is odd, circumcised in Christ. You're like, wait a second, we're a New Testament church, aren't we? But, but why, why he says that, don't worry, there's no procedures. But why, why he says that is because to, you know, his background connected to Judaism and the understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures is that Israel had, you know, the men were circumcised to identify them as God's people. They were part of God's people. He's saying, that's not the case anymore, Christ does that in your heart and includes you and welcomes you in. So that phrase, as odd, as odd as it is for us to read it in a 21st century context, it's like, oh, yeah, but the beauty of it is Jesus does that in one's heart when one follows Jesus and welcomes them in. We're not identified as God's kids because we're one kind of ethnic group or another kind of ethnic group or one kind of identity or another. No, it's because of Jesus. We're included, we're welcomed, identified in. And so in Christ then leads to fullness and contentment and strength and peace and joy and inclusion and identity and community and all the life that God wants to give us in Jesus when we continue to grow and follow Jesus. And one of the markers is this is baptism. If you wonder, why are we having a baptism class? Because when someone comes to follow Jesus, the scripture and the New Testament and primarily Jesus and then the apostles invite us to this, this step forward. 
And Paul outlines it here, not as a mental agreement. Oh, you've made a mental agreement to recognize Jesus or respond to Jesus. It's not an inspired prayer. You know, and I know people love to count people's prayers. You know, they prayed a prayer to welcome Jesus in their heart. And that matters. Last week we had, you know, four or five people in response uh, last week in our gathering to make a step forward to, in a decision to follow Jesus or begin a step forward in that way. And that's so important. But ultimately, what Paul's saying here later is that step is an immersion into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I love how Paul switches his phrases when he talks about baptism. He doesn't say in Christ. He says with Christ. When someone is baptized, they, become, they begin to associate and identify with what Jesus did when he died and was buried and was resurrected. And so look at the difference. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God. And then the accomplishment here is verse 13. Though you were dead in your sins, God, you, God made you alive, not just in Christ, with Christ. It's amazing. Now we're like actually joining, participating with the life of Jesus. This is, a, this is beautiful that, that when someone enters the baptismal waters or just makes that step, it's this whole beautiful part metaphorical, part participatory, part symbolically, but full of action that we are doing this with Jesus. We die with him. We are buried with him. We're raised with him. And God makes us alive with him. And baptism is that beautiful picture and practice of the fullness of life we have when we have recognized, received, and responded to Jesus. And so if you're discerning baptism these days, or you've been with us for the last few months or the last year, and you're just like, what is my step forward? Just come and explore with us. Just come and explore those couple of early Sunday mornings. We're going to do this, and if you can't, if it doesn't fit your schedule, whatever, and, you know, let us know because we want to make an environment to help you explore this important, vital idea here. So back to this inner capacity, and we'll come to wrap up in a moment. This inner capacity that we want to nurture among us is so vital. And, and here's, I think, the tension that I was holding in my heart because I love seeing what's going on in our church community. I loved seeing Alpha burst at the seams uh, this last fall. I loved seeing how we were able to welcome more people this Christmas. I, I, I'm overjoyed to see people, and I know there's a whole bunch of people in our, in our gathering today that are at various levels of their spiritual journey. And you might be here today and you're like, I don't believe in this one bit. I love that you're here. Because it means that this community is a safe place for people to come and explore. And just to say, I don't know if this is true, but I'm, I'm willing to check it out. And it, over, it, it blows my mind that I've met people over the last several months that even after three, four, five times or months are like, I'm still figuring this out. I'm, st I'm not sure. I don't know if this is legit. But I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And that just fills me with joy because it means that God's doing something in people's hearts and they're responding. And we just want to make space for it. But, but here's where I get back to my tension. And maybe it's only my tension, but maybe I, I don't want to put it on you, but here's my thought. While I so want to make room for more people, and we will, I desperately want to make room for more of Jesus in all of us. So while it's so vital that we discern and decide and address like how we will make room for more people, at, really at the core of all this, what's so important below all of this that has to stay so central is that we make room for more of Jesus in each of our lives.
not just for others, for us, for me personally. I still need to continue in him and walk in him and be rooted and built up in him and to establish, keep being established in the faith that I was once taught so I keep growing and growing and growing and grow deeper. And that's so vital. And so that's important that how we, how we move about. I'm going to ask our band to come up because we want to just close and take a few moments to celebrate communion this morning. But how, how can you respond? I mean, on the outer capacity side, the response is we want to invite and equip more people to serve and to be engaged in ministry with people on our teams in pastoral roles, in leadership roles, in serving roles. We, we want to invite those who call Westside home to, to, to really help us make room for people because we want to help people um, connect here so they can connect to Christ and each other. I believe that there's a whole bunch of us that over this last six months or year have, are calling Westside home. And you're seeing what's happening. And I say, hey, if, if Westside is home to you, then I invite you to take a step in helping us resource what God is doing with your, with your gifts and with your financial gifts. Because it does take funds to do this. It does take funds to, to, to reach and include and welcome and set things up. And we're, we're discerning, like, can we make more room on a Sunday for people? Does that mean more space? Does it mean another gathering? Does it mean, what does it mean? And so this Easter, we're going to do a second gathering like we did at Christmas because we want to make room and, and our teams are discerning, how can we make room for this? How can we prepare for this as it comes? So that's in an outer capacity, just like you can lean in. How can you serve? How can you engage? Uh, have you made a step towards giving if, if Westside is, is home to you, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? If you're here for the first time, I'm, we're, I'm not asking you to do that. Not at all, please. If you're exploring with us and you're still like, I don't even know if, if I believe in, in who this Jesus is, that's not the question for you. But for those of us who know, who have received and responded, and this church is the expression that God has called you to be a part of as Christ's body, then I invite you in to help us with this outer capacity thing stuff. But then there's the inner capacity. And this is where God has already been leading us and that's why we're launching groups this, this winter and spring and why we spent a lot of time investing into Alpha last fall and why we want to make Sundays a place where um, we can all make next steps in our relationship with God where we keep retelling the story of, of the gospel and the scriptures through worship and song and teaching. Um, but our inner, our inner capacity is so important and that's our discipleship. And I think one of the things that we feel we've lacked is actually helping people know where they can make a next step in their exploration of Jesus or their next step in following Jesus or maturing in Christ if that's where you are. And so that's why we're slowly putting these pieces together. And we want to invite you into that because we want to make sure that we can have the space and capacity to do that. We're just launching four small groups. Everybody who went to Alpha wouldn't even fit into those small, four, four small groups. So we know that we need more. So we, we want to make space here and in prayer times and in courses and uh, Bible studies and groups and cohorts. And if you've noticed, I often try and end a gathering, not every week, with a, with a practice or, hey, go to our website, there's this practice. Because 
we don't want to just come here on weekends and be inspired or informed. And I'm not saying that we do that. I'm just saying that that's not what we want to do. We, we hope that we can equip people and equip you. And so when we invite you to, into a practice, it's so we can actually engage this with our life, like our last series, that we hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. We don't want to just leave saying, that was, man, God's amazing. Okay, Monday morning. Oh, God's so good, and look what he did, and I felt good. I felt so good, but I'm not going to do anything about it tomorrow. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want to be immersed in the spiritual disciplines and, and grow towards that so we can all together continue, be rooted, be built up, and move forward like that. So I, I want to invite you to take this text more than I've done this morning and let it be kind of part of the background of your spiritual formation in this season so together we can listen to God's voice. Say, Lord, how are you calling me to dig deeper? My inner capacity, my outer capacity. And um, really the hope here is this, that our church, at this stage of our journey, that we would increasingly become a place where people, more people can discover the treasure, the treasure of Jesus, that in him all wisdom and knowledge is held. And we want everyone within our reach, not, not outside of our reach. I mean, if God wants to do that, that's his business, but we're not, we're just saying like, where has God placed us? The neighborhoods, the communities, this place, this space, who we are, what can we do with what we have? And where's God stretching us a little bit so more people can come to discover this treasure? But then below that, that, this, that we are a community that doesn't just do that, that's not the most important thing. That's just an overflow. The most important thing is that you, we grow to hold this treasure dear in our hearts, that we hold Jesus dear in our hearts. We don't want to just get excited to get it, let other people explore it. No, like we need to keep growing and growing in this. Amen? That's my heart. So let's, let's just pray as we, we do that. Heavenly Father, even right now, we just welcome you to prompt our own hearts. First, God, we just uh, make ourselves available to the voice of your Spirit to speak to us where we are in our relationship with you and what it means to follow Jesus. So God, where, where, are you, where are you nudging us? Where are you prompting us? Are we hearing the conviction of your spirit in our hearts to go deeper? What's the question you're asking us, God? How can we lean in to our larger environments like this, our middle, middle size or smaller environments like groups and courses, but also personally, God, on a daily basis, God, we want to continue to walk in Jesus and be rooted and built up in Jesus and be established in the faith that we have already come to know in Jesus. Lord, help us to hear your voice and respond today. And God, where are you calling us to engage here as a church? in how we serve, in how we support, in how we help someone connect, in how we give financially, God, so our outer capacity 
can make room for others that we don't even know yet. But that we know already they need to come to see the beauty in the treasure of who Jesus is as Lord and Savior, as leader and rescuer, as King and restorer. Give us discernment in this season, God, as we make these steps, as we ask these questions, as we take some risks. And if you're here today and you're just, you're listening and something caught your attention about the beauty of Jesus, this is really the heart of it. I hope that's what you're left with today. We'd love to hear where you are in your spiritual journey. We'd love to chat with you after the gathering. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to hear some of your questions or some of your obstacles. That's very normal. We just love to be a community that is here for you in that way. So Heavenly Father, we just bring ourselves fully to you and ask you to lead us and guide us. Prepare our hearts as we step into this moment of communion. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome regardless where you are on your spiritual journey and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. To find out more, you can visit westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.